0: Hello there, traffic-loving friends. I'm Denver 7 traffic anchor Jason Luber, here again for another edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast from Denver, Colorado. It is Wallet Hub's third most fun state in the nation.
1: I am producer Joseph Peters. Didn't we get beat out by South Dakota for the top spot?
0: Uh, Well, the top five, by the way. Nevada, no, at number one. South Dakota, number two. Colorado, number three. North Dakota and New York. South Dakota. And North Dakota. I don't see it. uh, New York,
1: you could sell me on. Massachusetts, you could definitely sell me on. Obviously, Nevada. But
0: not South Dakota. Those sound like fun states. Colorado's great. To leave. Uh, (laughs) The bottom five, Arkansas, Kentucky, Alabama, West Virginia, and in last place, poor old Mississippi. Aren't they in last place for a lot of things? Yes. Oh, poor, poor Mississippi.
1: They have a great coast, though.
0: Yes, they do. My wife really wants to go to the Mississippi Coast and Alabama Coast and the, check it out.
1: The Alabama Coast. We'll talk about this after the podcast. Okay. All right.
0: uh, did you survive the monster hailstorm the other day?
1: I did. Somehow. I'm not quite sure how. Not all of our reporters quite survived it no. without a little damage, but... I did.
0: One of my neighbors just showed me pictures of her car. She was parked over at Regis University and had the whole back end smashed up. The wind, the back window was down. The taillights were smashed in. Big dents all over the car. We saw a lot of that all- across the metro area. It's yeah. probably
1: the worst storm in, what, like two or three
0: years? Yeah. I mean, these were big golf ball size, baseball size hailstones. We see more hail here than in other parts of the country because of our altitude. Um and by the way we're recording on this a, a day later than normal because you had an eye doctor's appointment. Yep. Well how how we doing? You know. <laughs> Your glasses look the same. My
1: glasses are the same. I'm getting a new prescription there. These are currently taped up as you can see. Um yeah, uh, I'm doing okay. I have uh a couple of degenerative eye diseases, so the peripheral is shrinking, but other than that I'm doing good.
0: Oh good. Yeah. Perfect.
1: Yeah. Uh, so,
0: you don't need to see.
1: That's an overshare. But, but- you know, here's the-
0: <laughs> but it got me thinking about the five senses. Okay. Because honestly, which one is the most important? By far, to me, it's got to be touch, right? I mean, if you can't feel things, you're in big trouble. I mean, then there's sight, which you're dealing with, and then hearing, and then after that is a distant fourth and fifth is the taste and smell. I like taste and smell. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy it. But they're just not nearly as important as being able to feel things like anything in your body. That's a big deal.
1: I agree. I think taste was more important back in the day when you had to be able to distinguish what was poisonous from what was not, right?
0: Yes. Well, because if you can't hear, you know, then, well, obviously you couldn't hear this wonderful podcast right now. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can transcribe it. (laughs) Start writing really fast, Joseph. We can hire somebody for that. Uh, We're also recording uh, for the first time since the epic May 4th, May the 4th Be With You Star Wars video that uh, Lisa Hidalgo and I were in. If you haven't seen it yet... It, it really is a great video. You, you just search May the 4th be with you or just May the 4th, uh, KMGH, or my name or Lisa's name, uh, and May the 4th be with you, and you'll see the video. It'll pop up everywhere. We had over a million views that first day on May the 4th, and there's uh, there's been a lot of talk about it after that. There were a lot of nice write-ups about it. It was funny because we actually shot it back in March. Uh, it took three days to shoot. Long days. It was fun. Uh, Then it was about a month of post-editing to get all the saber effects right. But it was was good.
1: So I want to ask you, how sore were you the day after you shot this? I was
0: pretty sore. Because there was a lot of saber battling. And and Lisa should be really sore because she was trying to kill me. She was beating the living tar out of me. I'm telling you what, she broke two of the sabers.
1: If you haven't seen the video, Lisa does all of her own stunts. And she is fantastically athletic far more athletic than I thought she was (laughs) you on the other hand I don't know what to say
0: I'm like Jabba the Hutt over here (laughs) wielding wielding a sword nice thanks appreciate that um what what were the lightsabers made out of though was it just no they were these plastic toy ones okay um but then in post-production they made them light up and make them look all really cool um, Fantastic video yeah it was and it was it was really neat and it was fun uh we 've heard of eric lufer he 's one of our reporters, and you know he 's the weekend anchor he uh his brother travis who 's done some uh short films in the past he 's the one who really came up with the idea, directed the whole thing um, we had an unbelievable film camera from froggy. Yeah, there's a guy named Froggy in our creative services department. Creative, uh, but yeah, a lot of love to creative services, right? Yep. And there's this little kid, maybe a third grader. I see at pick up at my daughter's school, and I was talking to one of the teachers about the May the Fourth video, right? And he, so he, this kid said he saw it. And he asked me if it was real. So I told him, yeah, and I showed him this scar. So I had the scar on the back of my hand right here from about a month ago when I was down in Florida using one of those power washers. And it hit me in the hand, and it just still hasn't healed all the way yet. So I told him, yeah, I, I, you know, this is where Lisa, is. she didn't quite get me all the way. She just kind of got real close to my hand on one time, and it gave me the scar. He, I'm telling you, he bought it hook, line, and sinker. He, th- he thought, it- And then he was telling his buddies, he goes, look at the scar. It's real. Kids are gullible. Yeah. <laughs> I have such street cred in that school now. It's great. Very well done. There you go. Uh, All right. So there is a new report that says it's pretty incredible that Americans are entrusted with driving cars. (laughs) Dateline Washington, citing a majority uh, of Americans are irresponsible, easily distracted people who have little regard for other human beings. A new Department of Transportation report reveals it is, quote, actually kind of crazy, unquote, that U.S. citizens are allowed to drive automobiles. Americans make millions of mind-boggling, idiotic mistakes every day, and when taking into consideration the sheer amount of lives that could be lost due to the slightest human error. While driving, it's actually pretty shocking that we let citizens operate 4,000-pound machines capable of doing 200 miles an hour. Wow. The report read in part later, adding that if one truly thinks about who their neighbors, friends, and children are as people, the absolute last thing one would want and be comfortable with would be them merging onto busy highways with cars traveling 85 miles an hour. Consider the average American on Facebook. Now think of somebody dumber than that. That person is allowed to drive, too. Pretty nuts, right? <laughs> the, report, Ouch. the report ultimately concludes that only 62 total Americans are intelligent and thoughtful enough to operate a motor vehicle. I think I'd be one of those 62. Look, of course, this is not a real report from the DOT. It was just a made-up story from The Onion that came across my Twitter feed the other day, and I thought it was hilarious. It's very good. It's very good. The language in there, very strong. Yes, very strong. But it's, it, it's basically spot-on, though.
1: <laughs> it's true. Isn't
0: it? Honestly?
1: Yeah. No, I see a lot of people on the road, and I'm sure you do too, and I wonder how they got there.
0: <laughs> yes. I saw somebody cut across four lanes yesterday, tried to get off at the exit, and there he goes. I should I should take that off the dash cam and put it, on, uh, put it on my Facebook page. All right. Well, the fine folks at Instamotor sent me a story where they looked at how states rank for people trying to avoid certain driving laws. So what they did is they looked at how many drivers across the U.S. are searching for certain phrases on Google – as they attempt to risk driving recklessly or dispute their traffic violations or whatever. So this is how they came up with with their ranking, okay? So their top five states that have the most number of people interested, or searching Google, if you will, in avoiding a DUI are Nebraska, California, Washington, D.C., Colorado, and Arizona. Colorado in the top four, and I think that's partially because of the marijuana stuff here that that's what I would say, essentially, yeah,
1: there's a lot of drinkers out here too, though, yeah, the craft brew industry out here,
0: Nevada home of Las Vegas was seventh Florida tenth New York was forty ninth which I was a little bit uh surprised about, but probably because of the cabs and the subways that are everywhere around New York City, right? Yes. All right. So how they came up with this was Instamotor looked at six phrases relating to DUI, including DUI checkpoints, DUI lawyer, that sort of thing. California and Washington, D.C. were the only two places to search for DUI checkpoints more than DUI lawyer and DUI attorney combined. So maybe they have a lot of checkpoints there that we just don't know about. Wow. Or maybe a lot more crafty drunks who are trying to get around them. Yeah, that could be, too. Uh, the states with the most people most interested in avoiding speeding tickets are Washington, D.C., Wyoming, Vermont, Missouri, and California. Wyoming, I can understand. I mean, there's not much up there, but, but Vermont at number three? But you you have you're gonna to use, have to explain that. You have to
1: use the exact same logic you use for Wyoming that you use for Vermont. Why? There's nothing there, up there. There isn't? No. I've never been to Vermont. No, there's not a thing up there. There's cows and back roads.
0: Oh, all right. And beer. And beer? <laughs> <It's> <laughs> well, a that, dangerous combination. I guess that solves that problem. Uh, states with people most interested in avoiding parking tickets include New York, Washington, D.C., Massachusetts, New Jersey, and Illinois. Well, that's all understandable except for Wyoming again. Parking tickets in Wyoming? I mean, seriously? Yeah, that's a strange one.
1: But you notice in New York, New Jersey, and Washington, D.C. all on there, all in that same metroplex. Right. It's just nasty. And Massachusetts as well, an extension of that.
0: Maybe it's all the kids in Laramie around the college that are trying to avoid parking tickets right (laughs) avoiding the horses too yeah look i think their methodology is a bit flawed as they just concluded these findings from the amount of google searches happening in each state for a particular phrase but it's still i guess interesting nonetheless agreed right Uh, all right so speaking of reckless driving including speeding what really reduces speeding do you think you know severe penalties (laughs) yeah like we talked about last time so I was reading a story from Ottawa where they wanted to lower the speed limit to 30 kilometers an hour on some streets. I mean, that's just basically under 20 miles an hour. Unfortunately, as we know, lowering the speed limit doesn't usually work on speeders. And there are several studies that show reducing the speed limit on roadways has minimal impact on the operating speed unless the roadway conditions cater to those lower speeds as well. Um, and people who drive at the speed they feel comfortable with, not what the posted speed is. I was actually working on another story that has a very similar uh, concept to this. And I'll bring that to you in an in a, in a episode in a couple weeks. So what do you think might slow dr- down drivers? Uh, it's going to be physical traffic calming devices, like changing the look of the road, making the road narrower, putting in trees, that sort of thing. Photo radar that, that can slow down drivers. They say it's that fear of crashing, damaging our cars, or hefty fines that really lifts our foot off the pedal, not signage. Yeah. Now, in the story I was reading about the speed limit changes in Ottawa, they say one of the more interesting techniques to calm traffic is staggered parking. Have you ever heard of staggering parking? No, I have not. All right. Well, they allow the cars to park on just one side of the road, but the side where the parking is allowed changes from block to block. So the strategy works on on a relatively long street where parking is in demand. So staggered parking is not a, really a physical thing, but it makes drivers feel more constricted because you just can't go straight down the road. What you have to do is you have to slow down a little bit because you have cars on one side, so you're so you're going to the left, and now cars parked on the on the left side when uh, you're up at the next block, and then you have to drift over to the right. So it's one of those things where it feels narrow, it throws you off a little bit, makes you think, and so therefore you slow down.
1: Agreed. And I think for that to work, you really have to have like bright, bright lines on the road. I'm picturing them putting this in here in Denver on Colfax, maybe. Yeah. If you tried to put staggered parking on Colfax, how would that work out for you? I mean, I think it would do a lot to control traffic, but I also think people want to go fast on that well road. of course
0: they do everybody yeah. wants to go fast on every road yep. i mean it sounds minor but it means a driver can can maybe stop that much quicker if they need to in an emergency situation so maybe that's a good thing um and but you know what i think that what what they're doing here is they're trying to do this in residential areas because if you're driving a little bit slower even five miles an hour slower that can be the difference in hitting a bike rider or killing a kid who just runs out into the street when you're not even anticipating it right right um So another traffic calming device is called the sidewalk bulge. (laughs) Okay. It's where part of the sidewalk bulges out like it was pumped up, like full of air into the street a little bit. They cost a little bit extra, but also act as another freak out factor for those drivers as they're trying to get them to slow down. Uh, Photo radar is is also effective, obviously, as we've seen. Uh, And those signs that slow down your speed because you see how fast you're going as you're passing them, they tell you how fast you're going. Those can also work a little bit because really people think that those are photo radar too at the same time, but they're really not. Right. Have you ever uh, been driving around at night and then you turned off your headlights for a few moments? Haven't you?
1: Everybody's done it. I think what happens most often is you're on a busy city street, the lights are shining down on you, you don't even realize your headlights are off until you get to a dark part of town and then you really notice it.
0: Well, what about when you're in uh, like, in the country and then you just turn them off for fun, right? <laughs> that too. Well, did, did you know one auto engineer thinks that driving at night without our headlights might be the norm in the future? His name is Luke Dunkerwalkle. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I know I'm not pronouncing that right. Oh, sure you are. Dunker- Mr. Dunker Anyway, Luke, the head of design for Hyundai uh, luxury offshoot Genesis, believes that headlights will soon be unnecessary. He was talking to a group of Australian journalists, and he said autonomy might n- uh, negate the need for headlights in the future since the cars won't need to see the road ahead because you're not driving it. The car's driving itself, so it doesn't need to see because it already sees with sensors, right? In fact, the reasoning is why the latest Genesis concept, the G. V80 fuel cell crossover car has only tiny little lights up front. Tiny, tiny, tiny little ones. Much smaller than a normal headlight. Because this design guy says you're going to have scanners and lasers and you're going to have radars, but you're not going to need lights anymore apart from like decorative lights to show that you're driving around, that the car is actually there. Okay. All right? So the thought of this really frightens me. Honestly. I mean, imagine sitting in a car with all the advanced hardware and software controlling the vehicle, barreling down the road... In just pitch black if you're out in a rural country somewhere. It seems like it would take some getting used to, I would think.
1: right? Absolutely. I, I imagine like you watch movies and you see the cars of the future, and they don't really have very big lights on them, right? It's the little tiny ones that shine straight down. So they are essentially moving around in darkness, and visually it's very
0: interesting. I mean, even if the car doesn't need to see the road, I might want to see the road. <laughs> I might want to see what's coming up ahead of me, right? Maybe because humans crave control and... Being able to see the road, even if you're if, if you're not doing the driving, I, I think it's part of that. So maybe I'll start doing it now. Maybe I'll just, just ad- adopt that thought right now. I'm just going to go ahead and do that, turn my lights off, and not even use them. I'll, I'll just get ahead of the curve and just drive around with my lights off. What do you think? Yeah? I would like
1: to see the stats on how many people are already doing that. I would say about 1 in <laughs> 20 Denver drivers.
0: Because when I get pulled over, I'm just going to tell the cop, I'm not driving dangerously, sir. Uh, I'm really a pioneer of driving. I'm preparing for our e- e- eventual darker motoring future here, and, and I'm going to give him that argument, and, and I, I'm hoping he's going to buy it. He'll, he'll swap out the cuffs for a straight jacket, maybe, right? <laughs> <laughs> Do not pass go. Do not collect $200 goes directly to the insane asylum. Uh, Okay, time for a break. Coming up, we have all heard that flying is the safest way to travel, right? But is that true? And what is the most dangerous? That story and much, much more as the Driving You Crazy podcast continues.
1: More of the Driving You Crazy podcast in a moment. I love the morning because it's so fun and everybody just has this best energy about them. And I mean, like working with you, Jason, you're
0: awesome. You're so upbeat. You're happy. You're funny. You're fun. Lisa, Mitch, Dale, the whole crew. And so, you know, and and I love the nighttime crew too. I was on the now with Teresa Marchetto, who I love. But you know, the nighttime, you start getting into six and 10. It's just a different... It's just a different environment, you know, it's much more serious, it's, it's kind of harder. So in the, in the morning we get to have fun, and that's my favorite part of it.
1: Adam Hammond, only on Denver 7. Oh, my favorite part about the morning show is not knowing what's going to happen. Literally, you can tune in and you never know what's going to happen that day. Each and every day, something very interesting or comical happens. Dale Cedars, only on Denver 7.
0: Welcome back to the world-famous Driving You Crazy podcast. Okay, Joseph, here you go. I had this thought over the weekend. I'm sure you've seen those signs on the side of the interstate, right, that say the name of the town you're passing and the number of exits to get to that town. Like, like I saw the one that says, Castle Rock, next four exits. That, that's, look, that's all fine and dandy, but I think it could be much better. I, I wish that sign would also say, what exit is the best for what you want to do in that town? So let, let's stick with the Castle Rock example. If you want to go to the outlets, then the sign should read, so the second exit is the best exit for you. If you want to go downtown, the third exit is best. If you want to go to the fairgrounds, the event center, then the fourth exit is the best. I don't want to know how many exits there are. Great, you've got a bunch of exits. Good for you. I'm happy for you. I just want to know what is the best exit for what I want to do and where I want to go. Yeah, this would be a much more informative version of that sign, for sure. Maybe they could be electronic signs and they could change. They could be advertising. I don't know, something like that. It'd be especially helpful for people who are traveling to a town that they're really not familiar with. Let's say I didn't know Castle Rock, and I want to get to the downtown core. Well, maybe they should tell me that the third exit is going to be the best one for that. Uh, Maybe I want to know where the most popular restaurant is. Put that one on the sign. Right? Absolutely. Where's the best park in town? Where the best bathroom is? Where any bathroom is? (laughs) Where is the coolest, bestest thing in that town? Put that on the sign. I feel like I'm ranting here. I understand that all that information might make the sign a bit too long to read. I I grant you that. Especially if you're driving 65 miles an hour down the interstate. But I still want that information available. All, All right, how about this? Here's a great idea, Joseph. Listen to this. You put up a giant, I mean gigantic, QR code on the sign. Or just like as a big sign, right? A big QR code as you're entering that town. And then as you drive by, you get your phone out with the scan uh, with the with uh, the barcode app and so then it can read that QR code as you drive by and then it brings me to like an informative web page that gives me the best exit for all the things that I want to do in that town I like it. I like that a lot. I mean, that would work, I guess, if you're a passenger and and you're not driving. I guess you could do it while you're driving. It would be somewhat distracting, sure. Uh, (laughs) But but maybe the car – how about this even better? The cars could be outfitted with some kind of a scanner that would scan and read a QR code. And so then the the car reads it, and then that information pops up on that display in the center of the car. Mm -hmm. And then it tells me, all right, this exit is good for this, and this exit is good for that, and, and whatever the case may be. And it's all there on my dash. I like that
1: a lot too. Or it could just do like a readout over your car's information system, like "Hey, exit two, good for this. Exit three, good for that."
0: Yeah, they can uh, they can integrate it with the onboard navigation system, so then I can select the place I want to go, and then I could just hit a button or two, and then the GPS takes me right there. I, I, I'm giving to I'm giving this to you, the public, to you, the traveling public, for just five percent fee. Idea. Please send the checks to Jason Luber, traffic guy. 123 Spear Boulevard, Denver, Colorado, 80203. Just leave them blank. It's going to be. <laughs> it's a billion-dollar idea right here, Joseph. Uh, that's billions a lot of money, of man. Dollars, billions and billions of dollars are coming my way. I could just feel it. I could see the mailbox, my, my little mail slot, filling up with checks. Because it's not full I'm of pulling. anything else, I'll tell you that right now. I'm pulling for you, man. Honestly, I check my mailbox once a week, and I get nothing. Hashtag mailbox full of checks. <laughs> Perfect. Well, our state legislators here in Colorado actually passed a bill last night to give us a little bit of money for our roads, which is actually nice. Almost $2 billion, yeah. We'll see if that, how that money is going to be spent and how, how they're all going to figure that out. Uh, the state of Oregon is considering several brand new taxes plus a mix of tax and fee increases to fund their highway improvements and other transportation upgrades across Oregon. Uh, they want a statewide payroll tax, higher gas taxes, a bicycle tax, and a new car tax. It's all on the table. A bicycle tax.
1: I think it's very smart. Bicycles are very expensive these days, almost like what two grand, three grand for a good bike. So if you if you can pull in one percent of that as revenue for the state to
0: help build bike lane infrastructure, that's a smart play. They would increase their statewide gas tax by fourteen cents to forty-four cents. They would increase their vehicle registration fees by forty bucks. They would increase their title fees by 40 bucks, increasing commercial driver's license fees by $20 and establish a 1% tax on new vehicle sales, a 1% tax on bicycle sales, establishing also a one-tenth of a percent statewide payroll tax as well. That payroll tax is about $40 on a
1: $40,000 a year salary. So not a whole lot, but still enough probably to raise some significant
0: cash for the state of Oregon. And they're probably still paying a lot of money because, you know, you can't pump your own gas in Oregon. You have to have somebody else pump it for you. It's the same thing in New Jersey. It's just ridiculous. Okay. (laughs) You say it's great. I say it's ridiculous. I like to pump my own gas. Get off my tank.
1: I like to pump my own gas, too, but I'm also fine with letting somebody else do it. Uh Uh-uh. Get off my tank, baby.
0: Off of the jobs just (laughs) now the transportation committee there in oregon has for months been hashing out a funding plan in uh, private and public meetings their high-ranking legislators have said passing a transportation plan is a top priority. It's a lot like what they said around here, too, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, much of Oregon's roads and bridges, they're in poor condition, much like they are around here, and they don't have enough money to fix them, much like around here. Uh, some of the critical infrastructure there in Oregon would fall in the event of an earthquake, hamstringing movement of the state's people and freight, much like it would happen here if we—if all this was equal, right? Voters typically reject tax increases, even if voters were to say yes, sending the question to the ballot would probably delay the action of the transportation um, infrastructure improvements there in Oregon for a while. I am glad that here in in Colorado, the the Senate, at least at the last moment, passed some kind of measure to get some money to the roads.
1: I think what's really startling when you look at it is the amount of bridges that are in need of repair on a daily basis for some sort of failure right it's a real problem and it happens again i mean almost daily we report some sort of closure as a result of some sort of failure with these bridges they all need to be fixed and two billion dollars is great but it's chump change we
0: had uh, two fail uh, even just yesterday one a big football size hole in one of these bridges on the west side of town and then in the north side of town there was another bridge that had a had a ridge failure of some sort and they had to have a lane closed all the way till past six o'clock this morning to fix it yes sir so it's time now to be helpful we like to be helpful here on the driving you crazy podcast and here's a helpful tip for you do you know how to get out of your car if you plunged into some water joseph
1: yes they did a dateline special about this a few years back you t- We'll talk you about remember it after the that? podcast. Absolutely.
0: Because I, I, I would be concerned that it would be much harder than you think, especially since you're under immense pressure and you have only a limited amount of time to get out and you might be disoriented and not really be able to perform the task, right? So uh, Robert May, a 21-year-old veteran of the Indiana State Police underwater search and rescue team, said what you should do is put your phone down first because no one else is going to arrive in time. You have to save yourself. So forget calling 911. You have to get out. He says the first thing to do is move quickly. Minivans might float for as long as 10 minutes, but the odds of survival are highest if you get out in the first 60 seconds. In a submersion study from the University of Manitoba... Manitoba? With a university? Canada. Three passengers were able to exit with a child mannequin through a single driver's side window in just 53 seconds. All right, come on. Child mannequin? The mannequin's not fighting you or screaming or or crying its guts out
1: or <laughs> was it was it?
0: all right so he says unbuckle your seatbelt if you can lower your window and climb out ideally under the roof of the vehicle if there are kids around uh, get them out first unfasten them in the back seat put them onto the front and then push them out of the window oldest ones first they say why the oldest one first you probably Maybe have to assist the, the younger one, Maybe, too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so, this guy's experience electric car windows will continue to work even after impact with the water, which he describes as soft, like landing on a pillow. Uh, okay. Uh, still, keep a small glass breaking tool on your key ring or hanging from the rearview mirror just in case. Nobody's going to have that hanging from their rearview mirror. No, that's a terrible. Unless place you live, for it. even if you lived in Florida. So I think you can get those things for just a few bucks, though, online on Amazon. But they are even harder to use than you might expect. It's actually harder to break the window than it seems, even with those little tools. So he says, don't open the door. Water is going to flood in. Once full of water, the vehicle will sink fast. And in one study, a 65-passenger bus sank in nine seconds. That's incredible. That's frightening. So vehicle submersions have one of the highest fatality rates of any type of single motor vehicle incident responsible for some 400 deaths a year. And this guy says sometimes victims die in shallow water enough just to stand in. Maybe that's what happened here in the uh, Chris Berman's wife uh, crash because she was also submerged upside down and... and you hate to hear those stories, but it made me think of uh, of that. I think it's most of the
1: time when that happens, they've been knocked unconscious beforehand, Probably. so they have
0: no way of fighting to get themselves out. Right, and then he, this guy says, "Once you get out, then call for help uh, as you can, and and that's all you can do, I guess." So, so when it comes to judging the risks of travel, we usually get it completely wrong. Most people think that driving or flying is the most deadly. Well, that is absolutely wrong, Joseph, Professor Arnold Barnett. A U.S. statistician—I don't even say that word right. Statistician, statit—here, say it for me. Uh, what is his name? Statistician, statistician. Arnold Barnett, a U.S.
1: statistician,
0: has worked out that the average airline passenger has one in a forty-five million chance of dying in a flight. Okay, this means you could expect to die on a flight only if you flew every day for one hundred and twenty-three thousand years.
1: I don't think we're going to do that. That is an incredible statistic. But it sounds about right. How often do you hear about large planes crashing anymore?
0: So here are the most deadly forms of travel based on rate for every billion miles traveled. The most deadly form of travel is motorcycles. 125 deaths for every billion miles traveled. The sec- I mean, that's not really that surprising, is it? I mean, they're they are obviously very dangerous. You're unprotected here. We have no helmet law. Right. Well, and the other
1: drivers aren't going out of their way to protect you either. Right.
0: Yeah. Uh, so the second is surprising a bit, though. And this is something you do all the time. Walking. 41 deaths for every billion miles traveled. Uh, you know, obviously it's getting safe for thanks to uh, better road crossings and improvements in car design. So they cause less damage to the person on impact. I-
1: Well, most of the time, obviously, walkers think that they can do more than they can, and they try to get across the street in situations where they shouldn't, and thats I can see why it would be number two on this list. I think walkers are more irresponsible than pretty much anybody on the road except bicyclists.
0: And they come in at number three, 35 deaths per billion miles traveled. The sad thing here is that they say most of the deaths are young people and kids. That is sad. So how about this? Ferries come in at number four. Ferries. We're talking about the boats that, that, tra- that take you from place to place. Wow. Uh, 20 deaths per billion miles traveled. Not like ships, like cruise ships, anything like that, just ferries. Wow. Still more deadly statistically than a car is the space shuttle. It's been retired, but it's still more statistically deadly. Seven deaths per billion miles traveled.
1: It is statistically safer to travel in a space shuttle than it is to walk, ride a bicycle, ride a motorcycle. Or ride on a ferry.
0: Yes. Wow. I think that's because it travels a billion miles in about 20 minutes. Um, it, it, you know, and I, look, I read the most dangerous spacecraft was a space shuttle. Uh, it's, it's really a good thing that they, they retired that death machine. And now they're just flying <laughs> the, the SpaceX rockets, right? Um, don't they use the SpaceX rockets to take the uh, international space people up there? I believe so. I'm not right. 100% sure. All right. So here finally is the car. Four deaths per billion miles traveled. The number of deaths has fallen in recent decades as car design has improved. Safety features as like airbags have been installed, seat belts, child booster seats, they're all been mandatory. But they come in at one, two, three, four, five, what, six? Is that crazy? Low on the list. Airplanes are next at half point five deaths per billion miles traveled. More than half of the deaths last year occurred in just two crashes. The, there was one in Nigeria, 153 people were killed, another one in Pakistan, 127. But in the U.S., where there were 10 million flights each year, there hasn't been a fatal airline crash for four years. So it, they they say improved navigation techniques, higher safety standards, more reliable planes, engines, they're, they're all better and make travel uh, by plane safer.
1: One other thing for anybody who's read the book Outliers, you'll know this communication between pilots and co-pilots has gotten a lot better as well they're a lot more direct and they've it's been said that that is part of the reason that these crashes are being avoided because you're less reliant on the judgment of one person you're getting the input of several
0: now communication between the passengers and the pilots where uh, there's been some issues hasn't been as good also not between airport security in chicago and passengers or having to go pee in a cup <laughs> and she was not taking a drug test all right, bus or coach, they come in next. It's really the same as planes, half, a, half 0.5 deaths per billion miles traveled. It might not be the most glamorous way to hit the road, but they're statistically eight times safer than going by your car. Um, drivers of buses and coaches have to pass far tougher driving tests than car drivers, and they're tested more often, so that might be one of the reasons.
1: You know, this may be this low on the list, but I think if you ask people where they feel the most or the least safe, buses would be... Number one for least safe on the list.
0: Yeah, they would probably feel most safe walking around, but obviously statistically they're not. Yep. The sta- the safest way statistically is traveling by train, by rail. 0.2 deaths per billion miles traveled. So if you're a nervous person, if you're freaked out by travel overall, the only way to travel is by train. I love it. Take the train. Hit that train. Speaking of the train, the A-line again is delayed by electronic issues with the train. I was just reporting that moments ago. Downstairs, out to the airport where they have a bus bridge in place now. Not much to say about that A line. Oh man, they uh, I'm telling you, they can they they are going to take years to get over this PR nightmare out there. Years and years. I mean, it took it took ten. I mean, there's still jokes about the DIA baggage system. Now you probably don't know about it because Uh (laughs) you you know you're a you're a recent transplant, so. I think that's what's going to happen. We're going to have to have new transplants that just don't remember.
1: Well, DIA keeps screwing up the baggage thing, as we saw last summer, even though they try to blame that on Frontier. DIA has to have a hand in it. And, you know, as far as the A-Line goes, I still, again, I've never had a problem with the A-Line. I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, I've taken Amtrak one time. It was from here to Detroit for my grandfather's funeral. It was just quicker and so much cheaper last minute than trying to get a flight from here. Mm -hmm. Um, It was nice for me. I liked it. I, I I even though going through iowa is pretty boring i found the train very relaxing every time i've taken it I've, I've ridden about like
1: 20 commuter hours on train it's enjoyable
0: yeah i you know i'd like to take the train the one that's up uh, in the great plains or the one that goes through the the canadian rockies Beautiful. wouldn't that be nice yes sir i think it'd be fun i always wanted to when i was uh, in in college jump ride the rails like ride a freight train jump on the freight train and then ride it up to the northwest wherever or northeast wherever it ended up you still have time I, do. <laughs> I don't I don't think so. I don't think so. I've seen videos online. There's some YouTube videos about that. It's pretty funny. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks again. That's about it for this edition of the Driving You Crazy podcast. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, I'm the traffic guy, Jason Luber. I'm the producer, Joseph Peters. Be safe, and as always, happy motoring.